You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 60 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan. Welcome to the Always Moto podcast. Thanks for listening. We will be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. Unfortunately, he is still waiting to get paid. We never know what happens to that paycheck once we hit send. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic and we are throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick because that's what a physio does, I'm told, every other day. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto and it's never been more accurate than the last two weeks in Supercross in the AMA. This week's show, we'll be talking Super Motocross from Denver and all things Achilles tendons that ended Eli Tomac's hopes of a title this year. Always Moto Fantasy League, the Super Motocross Emergency Department update heading into the final round of Salt Lake City. And God, I don't know if there's going to be too many people there. There's not many people left from injury point of view, but we'll talk about that later in the show. But bringing us the show today is Slantboard Guy. And don't forget, we have that affiliate deal in place with Slantboard. Uh, and you can have, they have offered a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and you will save and definitely you will be fitter and stronger with this piece of equipment. It's really helping my legs post my hip fracture and look, it's it's just really easy to use and just a simple technique to get the best out of your squats. Check them out, guys and girls. They're well worth it. Now, if we're talking activity and exercise, we need to recover. And Endurance Recovery Boots are also supporting the show. And they also have that affiliate deal with us as well. And if you want to maximize your training, you need to be recovered before each and every session. These recovery boots can help you be your best for your next effort. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout to save with Endurance Recovery Boots. Now, Moto's products, we need to get some cool products for our bikes. Everybody wants something awesome, something unique. Tech 167 3D printing is for you. They have something cool for your bike. Maybe it's just a funnel that screws straight into the oil filler cap and means no mess, but you need to check out the products that these guys have and the capabilities that these guys have to print just about anything. A special code for the listeners here at Always Moto. You will not hear this code anywhere else. It's Always Moto at checkout in lowercase, and you will save on your certain purchase when you get use that code at checkout on the Tech 167 3D printing site. As always, we need your show support as well. We still have our merch available to help support the show. Um, get an Always Moto t-shirt and rock it at your next race. They are $25 plus postage and handling. Um, send me an email to info at alwaysmoto.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line and send us the size you 
you want and we'll be in touch regarding payment via PayPal. Now, sizes are a little small on the small side. Make sure you go up a size or two and you'll be happy with your shirt size. If you want to support the show as well, but in another way, you can just send us send us a donation to our Always Moto PayPal account. Drop a message or a question and we'll read it out live on the show. To find all our supporters, follow the links in the show notes or in our bio on our social media pages and you'll get straight to those places to make your purchase and use those codes that we've just mentioned above. All right, enough with the intro talk. Thanks to those sponsors. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys and girls, I'm Gage Linville and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, we're rolling into the Always Moto Podcast this week. We've got Ben Grinley on the line. How are we doing, contractor? I'm all right. How are you? Busy, mate. Very, very busy in the world up here for me. Um, I just—it's just usual work crap. But anyway, we're, we're we're rolling on a different night. Still late at night, but we're rolling on a different night to try and get this thing done. Um, big weekend of random incidents that has changed the AMA Supercross Championship outlook very, very quickly this week, mate. Yes, um, not <laughs> not not what a, yes, not what any of us uh, expected at all. Uh, I just I couldn't believe what I was seeing at the time, and uh, along with our fantasy group chat and the Twitter world, uh, yeah, it was just a crazy time. It was um, funny for me because I was actually at a race with my family. They were all racing. I'm not up to that point yet um, from the injuries and everything, but they were all racing, so I was there, you know, um, pit bitching as we call it. Um, and, like, I was trying to not watch the race because I was – or look at Twitter or anything. I didn't have hardly any signal anyway, so that kind of helped. But um, every so often the phone would obviously pick up signal and it would go nuts, just buzzing – and I'd look and it'd just say group chat or it'd and I was like, something's going on. I've got to find out what this is. <laughs> but I managed to hold out. And when I finally looked at all those messages and, and read all the Twitter comments, oh, my God, some people have no idea what they're watching. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, the commentators, it was the same thing. Uh, I guess everyone just has their guesses to what's happened. And I think the first thing I said in the group chat was the, the Achilles. And uh, I know a few people were saying knees and things like that, but just so random. You just, just not, yeah, not what any of us expected. And yeah, I think that along with their theories, it was just a lot of shock contributing to those theories. Yeah, I think everyone was a bit spun out by it all, eh? But um, you just don't expect that at the second last round with a guy with a points lead to not even crash to go out with an injury and be unable to finish the season. Let Like, he, he should have won the title, but he's not even able to finish the race or the season from something that doesn't even look that bad. Yeah, and it's not even, you know, just watching it, and I just watched it in the slow-mo before. Uh, there's not, there's nothing to it, you know. He hasn't gone and done cartwheels off the bike or anything like that. It's just a simple, you know, simple day-in, day-out thing, and, it, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I think I'm going to talk about it more in the emergency department later for for the – you know, for the details of it, but um, 
it's not as like it looks mundane right to the general person watching it it looks mundane there's no like you said there's no cartwheels there's no big you know dust cloud where the bike spun off into the side of something and he's gone flipping over somewhere else it does look like he just literally is riding and it's happened but when i break it down a little bit later on in the show you'll you'll probably hopefully understand how it's come about so yeah we'll get to that later on but there is more to it than just, you know, he was just riding. There was a couple of things that go into this. But what has that meant? Well, obviously he's not riding this weekend. He's had surgery. Um, but Sexton has basically already won the championship, mate. Well, before we get to that, I saw today the most stupid comment I think I've ever seen on Twitter. Oh, here we go. This should be good. And, and, and someone said, what if Tomac faked his injury oh, don't bring just that one to make God, Salt I saw that too. Just, just to make Salt Lake interesting? Can I point out, <laughs> I don't know that person. I'm not going to say that person's name. They will know that it's their comment if they hear this because it's so outrageous. But that person puts some of the dumbest things up in general just, I'm pretty sure, just to get a bite out of people because – you can't honestly think this shit that they that they put out. So, yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. <laughs> that was bizarre. I had to say, I, I had to say it just to see what you said because oh, I just I, I just laughed at it. I'm trying to trying to like sort of bite my tongue on that one because that one frustrates me a lot. <laughs> oh, good work, mate. Yeah, nice work. All right, you poked the bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but anyway, so yes, Sexton, he has basically, he's already the champ. Yeah, well, no one can catch him. Even, you know, he can just sit out and still win. Exactly, that's so, my point. He he theoretically, yeah. mathematically, practically, he is the champ. He just physically doesn't have the plate. And as soon as practice is over and Eli doesn't have a time in that session... Chase doesn't have to ride. It's exactly right, and that's that's just crazy. It's bizarre how this end of season has gone. We lost Cooper Webb. We've now lost Tomac, and it it does it's not right to say it, but like essentially, Chase is just going to stroll into this one and sit down in the in the winners' chair. Yeah, he is, but. Like he's earned it, don't yeah, you? Know? I guess. He's earned that, but yeah. it, it, that's how it looks, you know. At the end of this, right? Like that's, it's it's hard not to point it out that way. But it, it's also he has done a lot of work through the season to be in this position. But essentially, he's just walking up and sitting down and going, "Oh, nobody wanted this seat, eh?" Yeah, that's right. And you know, you're right. He has, in a way, earned it. Um, you know, he's won the amount of races that he's won. He's been quickest in practice, but, you know, only a few weeks ago we were saying, you know, these crashes, he needs to get out of that zone and then, you know, get a few under his belt and maybe it'll disappear. And he's done that. And in the process, other people have, you know, other people's misfortunes have guided him this way. Uh, but then, yeah, now you've got, got the Faulkner comments from a few years ago where, he sort of walked into that one too. So it's not great for him in that way, but I think in himself he'll know that he deserves it, and he does. 
Yeah, he does deserve it. But yeah, you're right about I've I've got that there in the notes that Faulkner's gave him one, Eli's given him one. Um not too often you get given like it's not getting given it's the wrong wording but hopefully everybody listening understands what we're trying to say here because you, you, the words don't always match up to exactly what you're meaning at this point but like those two championships that he's sort of nobody gets two championships given to him that way and he's got two of them that exact way you know two the two guys leading you know especially Faulkner who was killing it that year winning plenty of the races I think maybe even all of them at that point um, he he just, yeah, he turns up with the championship because Faulkner goes down injured. Similar here, Eli goes down injured when he looked like he had it. And how does that happen twice to the one bloke? Luck. I think that's all it is. What's the, um, what's the saying there? There's, it's like, you know... Um, uh, you know, the unprepared or something doesn't have luck. It's it's the prepared who gets the luck. Or so, there's some way that saying goes, and I don't know how it is, but obviously he's been prepared and he's made it this far. And I've said it, I said it on Twitter. I've said it in here probably even as well. But it's a skill to make it 17 races. And Chase has just proved that he had that skill better than anybody else this season. Yeah, and we're only going to have two... Well, do you call Suzuki factory or not? But two factory riders finish every race. And of all people, Ken Roxon finishing like he has. We haven't seen that, you know, for a few years. And it's him and Sexton. Yeah, that's kind of a shocker too, isn't it? In that sense that he's the one that made it this far. And, you know, last year he did, what did he do, seven, eight races? Um, year before, I think he went the whole season. But, yeah, he's had such a checkered history with injuries since going to Honda in 20, what was that, 2017. And, yeah, he's the one that makes the full season when everybody else falls down. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, does it? No. And, I mean, he's been on the podium, you know, the last few weeks too. So it's not, uh, it's not just finishing, you know, back in – Back in the pack, he's been on the podium and he's been there. So, yeah, it's not, you know, not what we expect, but he's there and Saxon's there and that's that's it. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And on that with Kenny too, like how was that ride for him, having all those issues crashing in the first corner and he still gets on the podium? I know the field's depleted, but he came through pretty hard and he got, you know, he was cutting time in the chase there at the end, chase probably managing, but... Damn, Kenny looked good on that that ride um, on on Saturday night. Yeah, he did. And I think by the time you know he uh, he got up straight away, luckily. So I I take it he didn't have to kick the bike. Um, but yeah, that's a brilliant ride for him. And again, this late in the season, that's something that doesn't happen from him. So mm. uh, for him to yeah come come through the field and finish second, uh, it's yeah it's pretty good. So. I've got this here in the notes, but like at this point, obviously, you know, Sexton's getting the championship on Saturday night. Great for him. But the outdoors looks very, very different to what it did three or four weeks ago when we were potentially seeing, you know, Cooper Webb coming back to the outdoors, Sexton going to the outdoors, Tomac going again because he just signed on for it. Um, Jet Lawrence going to be there in the 450 class. Um, Dylan Ferrand is coming back. Ken Roxon was going to be doing it. 
Now we've got Tomac's out, Webb's out, uh, Barsh is out, it's, even though I didn't say him in that section, um, and Roxon's doing the World Supercross. Like, this is now basically, in in my eyes, a Sexton Jet race with Fernandes potentially showing up as well in between this at some point. But did is is this just is this just how it's going to be? Like, is it going to be a bit of a boring four fifty outdoor season? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, and, I, and heaven yeah, forbid, I heaven I forbid, if um Jetson or or Dylan or or Chase go down in in the beginning of the outdoors, how that's gonna that could be a real you know it could be one of those um dungy seasons from back in the KDM days in like 2012 where Villapoto went out and and Dungy basically won every moto hands down by a mile you know yeah it'll be you know you might have Plessinger or someone like that that might just yeah, come on through and say, oh, thanks. Uh, but, yeah, I think, look, Sexton, Jet, Ferrandis, if he is all right, um, and, you know, there's a few potential other riders that will get in there, maybe get, you know, a win here and there. But, yeah, I think for now they're the three. Um, but... We're just going to have to wait and see, and you might be able to gauge it off the first race or probably the set, you know, the first round or the second round, because um, again, the same as Supercross, you know, you get the first few out of the way, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, interesting to note, we're at elevation in in Denver. Obviously, that's usually a bit fair talking point, and and altitude gets brought up so many times on the commentary, which I'm not going to count how many that happened this this weekend, and it'll happen again in Salt Lake because it's the same sort of scenario. But how was the Suzuki power on on Saturday night in the 450 class? I think Chisholm hole shotted the heat, um, McElrath hole shotted the the main event. Uh, Kenny got pretty good start in the heat race. Obviously, crashed in the main, but got a podium. McElrath ran fifth. Uh, pretty crazy night for Suzuki. Yeah, no, they did really well. And, you know, I think the team would be pretty happy with that. Um, but, yeah, like everyone says, the Suzuki's aren't good enough. So... I think that's been disproven <laughs> this year with Kenny, eh? Like, <laughs> apart from the kickstart issue, which he's sort of, you know, when he crashes, you sort of like hold that clutch in, man. But apart from that... Where has the bike been lacking? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you're silent. It's really. deafening. So, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing you can say there, is there, really? Like, if you look at the season and how it's gone, there is no issue with that 2017 model bike that's still running around as a masquerading as a 2023. Like, really, that's what it is, isn't it? Like, but it just shows. Do, do you need all that technology? Apparently not, if you've got enough skill. No, they won't, you know. They're just weight-saving. Well, <laughs> we'll just go with that. It, it might for the for the uh, other normal consumer, that weight, um, that weight aspect might be a bit fatiguing on a longer ride. But, yeah, for, for a fit dude like Kenny, and who's, who's clearly fit this year, not having those late-season issues or late-motive issues, it's not an issue, obviously, in terms of that little bit of extra couple of kilos or whatever. So, yeah, well done, Suzuki. It's nice to see you back on, back in the mix, on the box, 
and with multiple riders. So yeah, it's um it's really nice to see. Now you're making some notes here as we're going along. Um, I think you got something to say about AC's podium, mate. I, I feel like I feel like you were shedding a tear with AC as he was shedding a tear in his podium podium speech, being the uh, super fan that you are. Mate, I think a lot of people were the same as same as me and him at that point. Um, <laughs> nah, like you said, with Kenny and you know coming through, you know to get second. Yes, the field's depleted, but you got to be there. You got to be in the race, and usually AC isn't in the race at this point of the season. Yes, he's had three races that he didn't race. Um, but he's there and he got the podium that you said he wouldn't get. So I like that you brought that part into it. And yeah, I didn't, I said that, right? And I stand by that because look at what he's, look at the field. Tomac went out, <laughs> you know, there's, there's nobody left. We said this already, but you're exactly right. You have to be there and you have to be um, available to get that position. And he was. He was the he was one of the last man standing, so well done, AC. I'm not going to take that away yeah. from you, but just look at it in the big picture is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and you know if Tomac doesn't, you know if that doesn't happen to Tomac, he's fourth on the night. It's simple as that. And if you don't lose Barsha, you don't lose Webb. All that you know, he's back to sort of where he's finished all year, but. Hey, we'll we'll take a third, no matter who's there or who's not, who's in, who's not. Yeah, we'll we'll take it. Hopefully, that gives him a little, you know, confidence injection, and maybe that translates into something come outdoor season. Because I feel, as much as he loves Supercross, I feel that outdoors actually works better for him because there's a tiny bit more space for him to make those little mistakes that he seems to make and cause him to have those, you know, big crashes that leads to the injuries. So I actually think he's better outdoors. So I'm hoping that that was worthwhile. And then obviously we, they were talking about it on the, I think it was on the broadcast about he's going for some stem cell um, treatment. I think it was the broadcast. Maybe it was one of the other podcasts I was listening to this week, but yeah, he's potentially getting some more stuff done to that arm injury. That is, you know, the nerve issue that he's had a lot of stuff done on in the last few years. He's still getting more treatment for. So maybe that works. I, don't know, um, but yeah, maybe the confidence is all he needs for the outdoor season. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I think you know, I think outdoors is more natural to him. Um, you know, he's got that 250 title that he won, um, and he came second to uh, Zach Osborne as like you know in the 450s. So yeah, I think it's just a bit more natural for him and. Um, yeah, hopefully with yeah some, some momentum and you know some people out, uh, yeah he might he might be up there as well. Yeah, maybe. Now, final round predictions. You got anything for? Let's go the two fifty class because it might actually have a bit of action going on. Um, what do we think? Do we think uh, it's going to be a Jetson trying to rub it in everybody's face for his final two fifty race, or do you think Hunter's going to want to make a point out of this? I think they're both going to make, want to make a point. I think they're both on level wins. They are. Um, they're 12 wins each out of, I think, one's done 22 or something races and one's done 21 or something. So 
they're pretty tight on that. Or was it 31 and 32 races? Something like that. They're, it's Yeah, they're both one race apart and they're matched on wins. Yeah, so I think Jet will want to win his last 250 race. Hunter will want to beat Jet in his last 250 race. Um, Jet's head might already be in 450s and he doesn't really care. Um, but RJ Hampshire, after his efforts on the weekend, I'm going to say that he's going to win that last race. No. I'm going to say no. <laughs> no way because he was lucky that Jet had a bad start and that the guy that he was chasing down was Levi Kitchen, who probably hasn't got that front pace, front like lead from the front um, experience yet. And RJ was on the limit. Like it was a good ride. Don't get me wrong. He won. He it was a good ride, but he was on the limiter. There was there's no room for error. And when he's got potentially both Lawrence brothers with good starts, pushing pace, I don't know if he can hold off both of them. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I mean, he's lucky that you know he did get the win. But I'm just going to be different, and I'm going with that. All right, cool. I want to see a hunter. Uh, what's he one? He's one E. I'm gonna. I want the one E to be number one on on Saturday night, just to get one over little bro in, in second with the one dub, and then yeah, something like I actually want to see like Shimoda sneak in there to get some confidence heading into the outdoors as well, and and I just suspect RJ will just have one of his RJ moments on on Saturday night. So let's see. Maybe he pulls in the fourth. We'll see. Do we think that they run the one E and the one W plate? Oh, man, I hope so. I really hope so because can you imagine – I said this on the podcast like a week or two ago now that the the marketing pitches from the one dub and the one E would be fantastic, but now they're going to have a one E, a one dub, and the number one on all three Hondas. Can you imagine how long that marketing picture is going to be used by Honda? Yes, I can imagine. And, yeah, you. Oh, I want to say it as well. Um, you know, for both those boys to, you know, come from where they've come and both have number one plates on in the same season, it's just, you know, if they don't, they're silly. Yeah, exactly. And surely Lucas Myrtle is all over this marketing aspect. Like, that's got to be on his radar, surely. Surely. But anyway, we'll see what happens. But I really hope that they do do that. And I'm hoping for maybe some sort of sneak peek of that, you know, from, from one of them before the Saturday. But we'll have to wait and see. All right. Let's just have a little recap now. We're going back in the time machine, back to the uh, – we did this after the first round um, of the season this year. We did our championship picks. Uh, thought I'd bring it up and point out how wrong we, we've both ended up. Uh, so I went Tomac and you went Cooper Webb and it seems we were both wrong. Yes, it seems we were both wrong. <laughs> uh, you, you by one race and, uh, yeah, me by a few. Yeah. But yes, we were, we, yes, we were not right. Yeah. It's funny how things have worked out there, but, uh, neither of us mentioned it cause I even put Anderson in the sort of potential list for me. And I think uh, I think you mentioned someone in a potential as well, but um, it it hasn't gone the way of any of those guys. And yeah, Chase Sexton is just going to be the one to come 
to come through with that uh, that position. So yeah, it's uh, where it's ended up. Now, what about that final race prediction for the four fifty class? Have you got one for it other than the obvious? So, do you think that if Ken or AC are in front of Chase? And he knows that he's got the title. Do you think he lets either of them win, or do you think that he? Great question, right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard. Like you know, if he's sitting behind AC, he might go, "Oh, you know, they've all talked, uh, all talked this week about you know how good of friends they are and whatnot," and. Um, you know, does he let you know someone else win, or does he just go, "No thanks, I'm taking the lot"? Or he could even just roll around and get last. Who knows? <laughs> just well, for, just because he can. He could. He really could, because um, he doesn't have to do anything. Really, he's going to get a million dollar championship bonus just by being there. Um, he doesn't have to do anything different. I, I don't know. Like it's it's really probably like Chase has got the speed to come from anywhere in this field and win if he wants to. And the fact he's had absolutely no championship pressure all season because of the fact he was behind all season. So he wasn't really in it, really thinking about it at all. And then all of a sudden he's been basically, you know, he's got it without having to do anything. So he's, it's not like he's coming into this final round, you know, thinking about having to maintain the championship or beat somebody for a championship. That's all done already. So he could just rock up and be exactly like he was in Denver and just kill everybody, you know. It could be that simple. He might go down in the first corner and come all the way through and, and win still. Or the only thing I can sort of see is, like you suggested, Ken or AC get a massive hole shot and Chase is buried in the field and maybe he just goes, oh, you know what, tonight I'm not going to push that far and one of them takes it. But that's the only scenario I can see where Chase doesn't win. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, that's sort of that's sort of where I was going with. But then here's the other thing: Does if he gets out front, he gets a whole shot, whatever. Is he too then caught up in the moment and makes a mistake and goes down? Like we've seen, <laughs> we see the return of Chase. <laughs> we see the return. Yeah, you know, there's just there'll be so many, so many possibilities. You know what? Um, we might be on to something and, there too, because you know when we talked about the whole psychology of how Chase needed a few of these to get past that. Well, this is the test now, right? Because is he going to get in his own head in that space in that championship moment and bin it, or does he actually overcome all that? You could be on to something. Yeah, I'd be interested to see because, you know, it's just it's just as easy to get back into that, you know, not get back into the routine, but, yeah, make that same sort of mistake again. Um, but, yeah, I don't have an answer. We'll find out, on, find out on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's move on quickly. We're going to touch into the Ospro MX from Maitland that was on this weekend as well. Uh, it's just gone past. Um reasonable event from the little bit of coverage I've seen. I obviously didn't get too much of it. I was, like I said, out of signal on Sunday, so I didn't get to watch it live or anything. But uh, Dean Ferris is back on top in the 450 class, which was a little bit of a shock for me, to be honest, after he's, in, you know, he's returned from his major injuries and his two retirement <laughs> announcements. Um, 
So good to see him back and because he, he's obviously with that uh, Brisbane Motorcycle Yamaha team as well. He's not on the CDR team or anything. And he beat both the CDR boys, you know, for that top spot on the podium this round. So, yeah, interesting for Ferris to be where he is at this point in the season. Yeah, and he's on a mission. Um, just, yeah, he's been really good. Uh, the CDR boys are going to have to step it up a little bit if they want to want to get there. But, you know, you've got Luke Clout who, you know, is only just 12 months on from his uh, injury that he had. Uh, so to be getting up on the podium is um, probably pretty nice for him. And Tanty being the, you know, the reigning champion, um, yeah, he's going to have to step it up as well. Yeah, they're going to have to find a bit more bit more speed, it seems, in the whole moto. Tierney obviously qualified fastest there on the weekend but wasn't able to show it in the races as such. But, yeah, they're going to have to pick something up because Ferris seems to have it all back, it seems. So, yeah, good for good for Dean. In the 250 class, it was a um, first-time winner in Reese Bud, but he uh, did it the hard way with a 3-2 moto score. Yeah, well... Um Nathan Crawford got the first uh, first race, and it's just uh, I think he had a tip over in the second race. But yeah, there's he's just on a mission to try and get the points back from the points he lost uh, earlier in the season. Uh, but it's good to see uh, yeah Bud get his first win and add a different name uh, to the podium. Yeah, it was awesome for that side of things. Obviously, he's been working his way through the ranks and. Yeah, it seems like he might be sort of putting in a bit of a fight for this one this year. So that's interesting to see. We'll have to obviously see the, how the next few rounds go. We've got a few yet to go in that uh, Pro MX season. So plenty more racing to come. All right. Um, let's uh, quickly touch on this week's race at Salt, Salt Lake. Uh, we've got our track map in here. Um, any thoughts on the track map, mate, before we go into our Fantasy League talk? Not so much the track map, but there's just no final like a Las Vegas final. You're uh, missing that, are you? Especially, uh, yeah, especially with, you know, there's not much championship height, obviously, going into this weekend. But, yeah, I think uh, it's just not, not the last round when it's not in Las Vegas. But, uh, you know, Salt Lake was there for us in during COVID and, we had those eight or seven races, whatever it was, to finish out the season. So uh, for them to step up, it's it's good. Um, but, yeah, it's not a, you know, it's not an exciting track. There's, you know, over under, a few other little things. But, yeah, it's nothing, uh, nothing that exciting. No, it looks pretty sort of stock standard-y. Um, I always find it funny that this track map sort of doesn't look like it's using the whole floor space and I feel like Salt Lake is a smaller venue of all of them. Like I'm pretty sure this is going to be nearly, you know, that under 50 second lap time just purely on what it's been in years past because it is a smaller venue. But yeah, like you said, there's only really the over-under bridge that makes it sort of somewhat interesting. Um, and that's not, you know, really anything. It's just that the fact that it's on there and you've got the parts going in and out of out of it, it's not. It's a fairly straightforward obstacle from a rider point of view. The whoop section isn't massive, but it's a decent length, so that should be all right. But it's this place is usually baked dry, so it'll be, you know, blue-grooved whoops by the end of it that are chunked out everywhere. 
but yeah, there's nothing really jumping out at me that says this is going to be an awesome race, but we'll we'll see on Saturday night, I guess. Yeah, that'd be, like I said, we'll just have to wait and <laughs> wait and see on Sunday. Yeah. All right, let's jump into Pulp MX Fantasy. Now, we're doing this a day earlier than usual um, for our Always Moto Fantasy League here on the podcast, but... Uh, so we won't have the, the handicaps up because they're not currently available, or at least they weren't when I checked when we started the record on this. But we're going to go through what happened for our results in Denver. Uh, we're not going to obviously list the team for Salt Lake because we don't have any of that stuff. But we're going to just confirm what our overall prizes are going to be. Uh, we've just locked all those things in for you know positions and amounts and all that sort of stuff. So that'll be coming out. So we're going to have – we'll talk about that. And we're also going to do a little prelude to the uh, MX Fantasy Series that's going to start here in a couple of weeks as well and what we're going to be doing for that. So, Benny, let's, uh, let's look at the season at this point. You're in 65th overall in the league out of 110. You're on the wrong side of the halfway mark, mate. What's going on? Uh, some bad choices and, uh, <laughs> I think it's a lot of bad choices. Yeah. Some, some bad choices and unlucky choices that, uh, yeah, just cost me, cost me this year, but it is what it is. Yeah. Look, I haven't done all that well, but I've been reasonably consistent, but I haven't had any decent, any decent scores anywhere. And I'm 31st in the league. So the the ones that are out front are really killing it, which is which is good to see. Now at this stage in the overall in the league, it's still a tight race for the top three four positions. So we've got R Jones twenty three at the front on three thousand nine hundred thirty seven points back is Nobby's Talker, uh, and then we've got A Breachy at three eighty three thousand eight hundred ninety eight. So he's He's got to make up a fair few points to get anywhere higher, but he's only eight points in front of Hayden Wolf, And then fifth is a little bit of a gap back. Uh, we've got another 30, 30 40 points there um, for Lasagna Forever in fifth. So, yeah, there's still a little chance for the top three to shift around a bit, but uh, have to. these guys will be probably packing it on their tips this week, mate. I wouldn't want to be in their position trying to pick a team this week. No, that's right, and yeah, it's it'll be another big um, point scoring weekend, I think. So yeah, it's going to be hard to yeah hard to get the right uh, the right people. Yeah, it will be. Um, there'll be a lot of uh, good tips in that four fifty with high handicaps that make it into there and score a lot of points. So yeah, those guys are going to have to pick wisely if they're going to try and win. Uh, the big amounts for our prizes overall, which we'll talk about here in a sec. Now, Benny, who was in your team uh, last week in Denver that didn't do you so flash? Uh, well, Mr. Colt Nichols gave me two points. Yeah, uh, I was probably on, probably on for my first 300 uh, of the year. And yep, that didn't uh, didn't happen. Yeah, right. So you ended up on two sixty, wasn't it, for that round? Yep, two sixty. Yeah, so we've restored normal order. I got you because I got two sixty eight. So nice, nice, nice to have the dub back in 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 my column. Um, so who else? Who was the rest of your four fifty team? You had Colt Nichols there. Who's the other three riders? Um, so I had Kenny for my all star. Nice. And yes, was not was not. Uh, 
excited after that first corner, but he got back and got me those full points. Um, I had uh, Cheers for 38 points, and uh, Shane McElrath gave me 52 points. So oh, nice. I was stoked with that because he uh, – I had him a few weeks ago and he didn't do the greatest. So uh, he's yeah, he's restored himself with that. Making it up for you now, finally. Well, that's pretty good. I had um, I had Logan Carnell for 36. I had Chase Sexton who got me my max 26 for All-Star. had Josh Cartwright with 46 and Chisholm for 38 as well. So not too bad. Pretty consistent team, but like like I said, not hot, massive, high scoring. You know, I didn't get that 52 like yourself there, but um, still consistent. But obviously this round got a lot more higher scores than, than, than usual. My 250 team, I had Derek Kelly at 36. Carson Mumford got me 30. Hunter Yoda got me 30. And RJ Hampshire at my All-Star got me a max out at 26, which was nice. What was your 250 team, mate? Um, so I had RJ as well, so I got the 26. Nice. I had Dylan Schwartz, so he gave me 52. Uh, Carson Mumford, 30. And Jerry Robin gave me 26. Um, he was on a few more points. And then towards the end of the race, I think he just pulled off. So I think he was 21st uh, yeah. or 22nd, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, with uh, him and Colt. Um, yeah, probably could have been a little bit better, but I did get the FFL for Tomac. Um, that gave me 15 points. And I got then minus seven with RJ not getting the uh, FFL. But, uh, yeah, that's the second highest of the year, so I'll take it. Yeah, not bad. Not bad, but overall still lost. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Oh, bugger. Well, look, so... We had our random prize winner again at Denver. We're not doing that this week because it's the last round of the of the series. We're going to do the overall prizes instead. But uh, congrats to Dillaway um, for getting 18th at Denver. And that was that GOAT brand MX Nebra socks uh, that we put up for that random position win, which was awesome. Thanks to GOAT brand MX. Now, let's talk overall prizes and just confirming them here what they're going to be. We've been mentioning these sponsors all season long. Uh, and we're just going to tell you what position they are going to all fall into here now. So we've obviously had Coastal Motorcycle Centre on now for a couple of seasons. They've given us that store credit to give away. We're going to have first is a $500 voucher, second is a $300 voucher, and third is a $200 voucher. Fourth position is going to be a Goat Brand MX Knee Brace Socks. Fifth is going to be the Thor MX Goggles. Six is going to be the Michelin Australia front and rear tube. So that's a 21 and an 18 or a 19-inch uh, inner tubes. And seventh is going to be a um, set of Bolt MX gloves. So we're going to have prizes from first to seventh, which is awesome. That's the furthest we've gone in prizes in our league so far in the history of our league, which isn't that long, but it makes it sound like we're doing something useful here. So that's pretty good, Benny. I, I, I rate our prize uh, for this overall so far. Well, yeah, we've said it before and we'll say it again, yes. We set a goal at the start of the year and we beat that goal and ended up with, you know, over 100 people in the group. And, yeah, for us to have um, seven seven prizes to give away, um, is really good. If we had seven prizes last year, I think uh, you and I would have won all seven. Uh, so, 
yeah, to have uh, to have over a hundred people, and you know, seven different people will get um, some pretty good prizes. Um, yeah, we got to be happy with that. Yeah, well, that's obviously just the overall positions. We've also given away, I think it's five or six weekly random prizes now too over the last five or six rounds. So we've had a fair amount of prizes this year, which is awesome. And just on that, to remember, for those people in that top seven positions. You've got to be eligible. You've got to have emailed fantasy at alwaysmoto.com or we're going to skip to the next person in that queue. And you'll have 48 hours to do that from the moment that main event finishes um, and that the scores are up on Pulp MX. So you're going to have to do that and make sure you're following all those um, sponsor pages, which are tagged on all of our Instagram posts when we're talking um, Always Moto Fantasy League. So make sure you're doing that, um, which... Let's quickly run the sponsors. I'll run them quickly now for the for the Supercross season here. That has been Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Now Helltech Australia, they're not quite ready yet for the prize, so they're going to linger over into the MX slash MSMX side of things, which will be awesome. So we'll have something from them later this year. Now a little bit of news for. MX series that's going to start here in the last weekend in May. So it's about two, three weeks away now. We've confirmed a bunch of these sponsors on again. We haven't confirmed everybody as yet, but we've got uh, some of the main players coming back. So we've got Coastal Motorcycle Center and Goat Brand MX confirmed at this stage. We'll confirm everybody else here shortly. Uh, and we're hopefully going to have a couple of new ones in the mix, which will be awesome. And we're going to have all that announced here hopefully shortly, maybe the next week or the week after uh, via a post on our social pages and on fullnoise.com.au. We're going to try and get a few more people joining the league. Obviously, we only have a few short weeks here to join the league, but we're going to change the password into the league and make sure that everybody is actually emailing fantasy at alwaysmoto.com to get that password to be in the league. And that'll be how we sort of gatekeep that. Uh, everyone who's already in the league will still remain in the league, so don't worry, but you still, to be eligible, will have, have to have emailed us to that email at some point. Um, so that's going to be how it works for MX, but we're looking like we might have more prizes in MX season than we have in this SX season. We just said how many we had this year, uh, being the most so far, so we're looking pretty good at this stage for MX prizes, mate. Yeah, that's right. Um, I had a had a chat to a few different people last night, and um, that might be keen. And I think you've had a chat to a few more people. So, mm. yeah, the more people we get on board, the uh, the better it is for the players in our league, which is yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, and it's like obviously, like we're not a pay, you're not paying to enter our league. All you've got to do is send one email to to our email address, and you're eligible. And and you know you haven't had to do anything really. So. It's uh, pretty easy to get a prize, really. You just got to pick your tips and send an email. Yep. Who, I want to ask you a question. Who was the first person, the first sponsor to come on and give us a prize the first time that you decided that that's what you wanted to do? I'm pretty sure that was Goat Brand MX. Yeah, it was. It was actually Goat Brand MX, and he has been there from the start, and he's given us three pairs of socks every season to give away. So, um, yeah, big thanks to Nath there from uh, Goat Brand MX, which is pretty awesome that he's still here with us. And then, yeah, we had a couple of others. Um, Coastal MX, Coastal Motorcycle Centre came on shortly after as well, which was pretty sweet. So, yeah, it's been good. 
Now you've yeah, dropped in right. here too. Cool. We'll fin- probably finish on the Always Motor Fantasy League on Pulper Max, but you've dropped in some of the uh, the Rocky Mountain fantasy scores here, mate. Is this just to make sure that you're getting at least some recognition for one site that you're leading on? Yes, I'm not going to let you get away with uh, <laughs> coming second in this one. <laughs> mate, it's not that far apart. Like if I have a good round, I'm going to get you. You know what happened to me, and you'll laugh at this, I put my my uh, picks in last week. I think it was about Wednesday, and so I've got another, uh, I've got another one with a mate as well. So it's pretty close in that one too. And I put my picks in, and they didn't save, so it redid the week before. before. Yeah. So I had I had Webb in my team. I had Barsha in my team. I had, you know, Sexton coming first was the only thing that saved me enough to keep me in front. And I think I had um, someone else in there. But I was very unlucky, so I'm lucky to just still be leading. But, uh, yeah, I think there's not much to choose from. But you're right, you could have a good week and you could still beat me. And that would not surprise me at all if that happened because I've led most of the season. You know um, but you know we'll how much I see. love Rocky Mountain Fantasy League, right? I don't care how much you love it. Well, you know your story there. I'm, about, I'm taking it. You know your story there about not saving your picks. There's been at yeah. least four weeks that I can definitely say, and last week was one of them, where I haven't even gone on there and put a team in because I knew that they already had a team picked from the week before. And I'm pretty sure I've done that each week with riders that weren't there the next week. So <laughs> so I don't know if you want to claim too much on this one, but I don't really do not pay attention to that at all um, that closely. I'm definitely on the on the Pulp MX one, but uh, yeah, Rocky Mountain Fantasy is not high on my priority list. Righto. So you didn't pick a team, right, for Denver? No, did not. So... Right, so for the obviously the week before then, this was your team. So you had Sexton, Tomac, Roxon, Justin Hill, Colt Nichols, and Kyle Chisholm, right? That's from round 15. Yeah. So that's carried over to your round 16. Yeah. Your round 16 gave you 55 points because you got Justin Hill and Chase Wright. <laughs> and that's all I had. And, and, you, and, and, and you had Ken Roxon one off. So, yeah, still ended up with 55 points, not even choosing. Yeah, team. I didn't even pick anybody. Yeah, it's the beauty. That's why yeah. I don't rate that game because if, you, if I don't pick, I should get zero. And I think it, I think it's only just changed this year because I remember getting zero, I think, last year or the year before. So they've only just brought that in that it, it continues over. Yeah, well, anyway, like I said, I've, I, I, you know how much I love Rocky Mountain Fantasy League. So, anyway, it is what it is. But, look, Always Moto Fantasy League is where it's at with the group chat. We've got that going there. If you want to be a part of that, send us a DM. You can jump in there and be a part of it for the outdoor season. There's plenty of good chat going on in there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be uh, prize time for the overall for the Supercross here at the end of this week. Make sure you've sent that email in. Make sure you follow on those sponsor pages um, and you'll get yourself a prize if you're in the top seven by the end of uh, Saturday night's main event. All right, let's um, – unless you've got something else, Benny, before we, t- before we jump into a break, um, what do you got, mate? You got anything? Yes, yeah, so 
I was just looking, so I'm on the fantasy page giving you your uh, scores. Oh, yeah, here we go. I'm just looking at, at, at the race uh, results. Tomac did three laps and everyone else did 28. Tomac still had the fastest lap You're of kidding. that race. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, three laps and he still yeah kept the fastest lap of that race. Yeah, well, it didn't really help him in the long run, but uh, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. All right, let's take a break on the Always Moto podcast. We'll leave the contractor there and we'll uh, move into the emergency department. I'm Kyle Greeson and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, welcome back to the Always Moto podcast. This is episode 60 of the Always Moto podcast. Thanks for joining us and as always, thanks for listening or thanks for watching. We are now in the emergency department segment of the show and if you aren't aware, we have this on our YouTube channel, just this segment of the show so that you can watch this segment whilst we talk through it. So you might be listening on the podcast and think, hey, what's he got going on on the video side of things? Check it out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and like the videos and on the podcast side of things, make sure you're following the feed, podcast feed so you don't miss out on a single episode uh, and if your podcast player allows please leave us a rating. It helps bring in more people so we can keep bringing out, putting out more content for you guys and girls out there to enjoy about the injuries in our sport and the training methods and the recoveries and all those interesting bits and pieces that go on behind the scenes that you might not understand, but hopefully we do and we can bring that to you uh, and show you something different that you don't get on any other podcast or video content in this detail because I'm a physio bringing it to you with exercise and sports science background. So, Hopefully you're getting something out of these podcasts and videos on YouTube uh, that you won't get anywhere else because hopefully we are the best injury content source on Moto Media going around. All right, so let's... The reason you're here is the emergency department. Let's get straight into it. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. We say this every week, you do not want to be on this list and unfortunately this list is huge in 2023. It is full with a lot of factory guys, a lot of privateer guys. It's just wiping out the field it seems in 2023. We have the stats to sort of back that up as well. Uh, we're about eight or so injuries per round, which is a lot higher than in previous seasons. It's usually in that three to four range. So for some reason this year is trending in the wrong direction in terms of injuries because hashtag injuries are a part of moto it seems in these very very rough sport it's been this year now let's talk Eli Tomac let's start off with what is an Achilles tendon rupture we all saw the video we're watching live or we saw the videos afterwards it happened without him even crashing that's how these things go sometimes. You don't have to crash to have an injury. You just have to increase the G-forces or the load through a particular part of the body and for that body part not to be in a, in a bad position, in a compromised uh, manner from a previous injury, and that can be enough to then send these things to the very limits of their elasticity, the strength that you're able to stabilize a joint with, um, and just either they blow apart, they dislocate, bones break, etc. So Achilles tendon rupture. It is that Achilles tendon. It runs down the back of your leg. It attaches into your calf. It attaches into the heel bone. That's the insertion point. 
it will either tear off at that insertion point at the heel bone or that tendon will just basically break into two pieces. And that's basically in a bang moment. It basically goes bang. It's like people describe like being shot in the heel because it happens that quick and it happens usually rather painfully. And if you watch any of the stick and ball sort of sports guys, they end up on deck pretty quick, need to be support, uh, assisted from the field. Lots of cases by a, you know, um, backboard of some description or, a, you know, little buggy. Uh, Eli, tough as nuts, um, managed to just basically hang the foot off the side there, not put it on the peg and just ride the bike off. I bet he was in a lot of pain. You don't obviously see that because he's in helmet goggles, uh, but he didn't look too distressed, but he was not he was not hanging around too long on the track there before he got to the Alpine Star Medical Unit to get assessed, obviously get some painkillers probably, um, and, yeah, work out what next for him in terms of managing that situation, which ended up being surgery on this Sunday in the Vale Clinic, I think it was that he said in his updates there, which is in that Colorado, where a lot of guys have gone from the uh, moto scene to get some repair work done. So obviously they're doing good work in there. So hopefully that means good things for Eli in terms of recovery. But the fact there's been um, surgery done so quickly is an awesome thing that he will then obviously he's cutting down the other end of this because it's happened so quick. Now, what else have we got going on here? Now, let's start this too as well. Everyone's saying it was was an over-reflection or an over-extension. Let's get it right. It was forced dorsiflexion was the movement. When your toes come towards your shin bone, that's dorsiflexion. When your toes go away from your shin bone, that's plantar flexion. Little tip there. That's the anatomy side of things that we physios have to learn in our basics at the beginning. So it was forced dorsiflexion, and it's forced because he was dropped into that position. His toes were on the peg. His heel goes down. And the force is obviously from that G-force where he was doing it uh, in an eccentric lengthening of the calf and Achilles tendon attachment. Uh, and he wasn't able to uh, control that load into that uh, part where he overjumped the jump. So let's go into that uh, analysis of that situation. If you notice, if you watch the video really, really carefully, when he makes that jump over the tabletop, he actually had his foot already on the peg on the balls of his foot. But in that air point there, he makes a slight shift of that foot just a tiny bit further back, meaning that he goes from probably the ball center of the ball of his foot to either the front edge and just onto toes. So he would have only had the peg width, if that, under the front of his toes of his boot, uh, and that's not enough, clearly, in this scenario. So when he has then landed, he's in a compromised position and not able to control the load as he drops into it. And that's what then leads to the bang moment that caused the Achilles tendon to break. So that was issue number one. Next off, if we go a bit further down, and this is sort of, uh, this is a bit of a you know uh, clap clap to um, James Stewart at this point. I listened to a little short that he had on his podcast this week. So it was one of his Instagram videos. I haven't heard the whole show, but I heard this little description that he did. And he describes that moment as he lands as well as like being on a trampoline and a double bounce situation where the second bounce you're not quite ready for and it sort of comes up and gets you before you're ready and you might be relaxed or extended at the knee joint and not prepared to absorb all that energy that's coming back up from that double bounce situation. And if you watch the video, James is pretty much spot on in that aspect. There is a moment where Eli looks like he's almost light and like floating and and really relatively relaxed and straight. And that's right before he hits that point. 
And so then the bike actually comes into that and doesn't react probably in the way that he's expecting to. And that also influences how far then this foot has dropped because he's also got a relatively um, straightish leg, which is, again, loading the calf muscle even more so and then putting all that force down into the Achilles tendon. So that's, yeah. So listen to that part from James. That's pretty good. That's the only media part that I've seen all week that was actually useful in terms of um, all of this description with Eli Tomac and his injury so far. Now, some factors. This is the stuff that you won't get from anyone else, right? Some factors into why Achilles tendon issue injuries happen in sport and particularly in Eli's scenario, what's relevant for him. Achilles tendon injuries generally happen in males and they generally happen in males aged 30, 30, 30 to 40, right? So they're an older athlete um, issue. They're a male athlete issue. And there's a couple of reasons around that. One is that in that period, obviously, you are still uh, trying to do exactly the same effort, but you are starting to age. Once you hit 25, you are starting to age. Unfortunately, if you didn't know that, you do now. Um, at 25 years old, you officially hit aging point. You no longer regenerate and create new in the same manner that you did before 25, right? Everyone's slightly different, but basically 25 is that point. So at over into the 30s, you're into a point where you're not recovering and regenerating and rebuilding in the same manner, in the same rate, right? Now, what happens is, and Eli might not have even known this, um, his dad, John, in terms of his trainer, might not have known this either. But over that point, if you continue to train in the same way or you actually have to modify training to accommodate your lack of recovery, you still aren't breaking down and rebuilding tendons, muscles in the same manner. And you can actually slowly be deteriorating a tendon health over the course of a season without even knowing or realizing. And that's what happens to a lot of these male athletes in that 30 to 40 bracket that it occurs to because they then have these issues three quarters late in a season, right? doesn't get much later in the Supercross season than around 16 or 17. So that's that's kind of relevant in this scenario. But Eli is now also a man in his 30s. He's also a man that was considering retirement, probably because of the fact that he's maybe not recovering in the same sense as he did when he was 20, 25. Uh, and he's recognized that. And yes, he signed on for motocross and super motocross, but that was a last-minute sort of addition to his program this year. So he's obviously understood that there's some changes in his body and his ability to recover, and maybe this is partly what's gone on. I bet you he doesn't even know that that was an issue. There might People have said in the media, other media sources, that he might have had an injury and stuff that we don't know about. That's possible. But I just about guarantee you, Eli would tell you that he had no knowledge of any issue beforehand. But if you got under the microscope and you know were able to dissect that tendon and look at the health of it, you might find some irregularities. You might not, but that's what I'm going to hypothesize at this point uh, in, the, in this conversation because it also fits the narrative of why this has gone on. All right, what else do we need to know? It takes a lot of force to break an Achilles tendon. We are talking upwards of 3,500 newton meters of force. Now, what's that in, in, in English for everybody to understand? That's about 357 kilograms. Uh, and if my mat, or oh, I should have done this with the with the, for the pound side of things, but basically you double and put a tiny bit extra on. So what's that? We're seven, we're somewhere seven fifty eight hundred um, pounds of force to break an Achilles tendon. That's a hell of a lot. And in this instance, you can see it broke. 
So there was obviously more than that force there for for Eli to accommodate and to uh, be able to dissipate that force, which is you know a, a eccentric load of that calf muscle, the absorb it through the ankle joint, the knee joint, the hip joint, even further up the chain into his spine. It all went to that point of the ankle because of that dorsi force dorsiflexion, and that it just wasn't able to cope. So that's how much force it takes. All right, what else have we got here on this list that I'm working my way through? Everyone's saying that Achilles tendons are uncommon in moto. They're actually not. They actually are reasonably common. We've had three now this season. And if you wanted to throw in uh, Carson Mumford's injury when he first got onto that Pro Circuit Kawasaki uh, fill-in ride that he's been doing this this season, he had a calf-ish ankle-ish injury, which I would probably suggest is some portion of a you know grade 2 Achilles tear, or maybe it's a mid-belly uh, medial gastroc head, which is your calf muscle um, tear, which I would sort of almost lump into this same conversation. So we have three and a half, let's say it. But yeah, so there's been three. We've had Rod, Justin Rodbell on, on for an interview earlier this uh, season on the Always Moto podcast to talk about his Achilles tendon tear that happened in November, and he's only back on the bike gingerly at five months and Vince Freeze now not everybody knows about this but Justin Rodwell mentioned that Vince had reached out to him whilst he was on the podcast with us and said that he'd had the same injury so we're going to go with that that's a that he's had that full uh, Achilles rupture as well and he had it around the same point and he was back on the bike around the same point about that five five and a half six months mark and again, that's a ginger, gingerly proposition at that time. It's not like he's jumping straight back into hitting supercross whoops. So it's not uncommon. And there are other examples of it over the previous years. Ones that jump to mind, um, if you remember back uh, a few seasons back, you'll go to Max Anstey had it happen in preseason. Um, if you go even a few more seasons back, just notable names so that people will recognize them. Um, Darren Durham had it when he was on pro circuit though, in those years. He had Achilles tear as well. So it's... There are more examples of that. They are in my stats, um, but it's not an uncommon injury in moto. Just because we don't put our foot on the ground and push off and jump um, off our feet as such in the normal sense of how an Achilles tendon issue happens in a game of soccer, football, basketball, tennis, whatever, doesn't mean we can't get these things. It means it's maybe a little bit more difficult or uh, a little bit more force required. But we still have our foot on a solid platform, the peg, that is then forcing us to do push up and push down and, and eccentric down movements of the ankle and load that Achilles, particularly in when these guys are riding on the balls of their feet now, um, and particularly in that transition point of a jump, particularly in the whoops. If you watch any of the videos of guys on their balls of their feet going through whoops, they are all dropping down very low in their their heel positions um, to maintain and absorb energy of the bike so the bike stays flatter across those sections. Uh, But this is what then can lead to injuries. Now, what else are we going to say? Ah, the boot conversation. Everybody, it seems, has wanted to jump onto Alpine Stars and bag them out that it was their fault that he potentially got this injury. I say that's a load of crap. Eli Tomac wears custom boots. Everything Eli Tomac wears from Alpine Stars in some way is probably a custom fit, whether it's to his you know, leg length, his waist width, he wants a little bit more room in the crutch because he's got such you know, 
big cojones from being such a badass on a supercross track. He's got adjustments in all of those things. I guarantee it. None of that would be something that anybody could get off a standard product on the shelf because they're going to have a stock standard thing. And obviously to do the things that Eli wants cost a lot of money um, and it's specific to him. So he got the boots exactly as he wanted them. He would have described that he wants this amount of room and movement for a particular you know, position on the, on the, foot, uh, on the foot peg, uh, and he would have got that from Alpine Stars. Now, think about this. Would he have done it differently in terms of his boot flexibility now knowing that this has happened? If he went back, if he knew this was going to happen when he was booking, you know, ordering those boots up as such, would he have still gone with the same flexibility available in that boot? I doubt it. I bet you he, will ha- he would have had some sort of more limit point on that dorsiflexion movement, which may or may not have actually solved anything anyway because it still might have got to the point where the boot stopped, but the load still hadn't been absorbed and it was still going to go to his Achilles uh, and still tear it. But it may have prevented it, right? He might not have got that far down. Maybe it then triggers him to bend at the knee, and the hip more, and he just rides that out and doesn't even notice. That's the difference, right? That's the potential difference. And that's what um, Pete Fox is mentioning when he was talking on Instagram and Twitter this week about what are we going to do to try and solve these injury issues. And I suggested to him on Twitter, well, that comes back to the gear and the design and how it's all functioning. Uh, and, and I said, it was, you know, he's a person that could influence those sorts of things. Uh, being, you know, he's got connections all around the sport from his days as the head of Fox and whatnot, or I don't know if it's exactly head of Fox, but you get what I mean. Um, but yeah, so these are things that could be adjusted, right? Uh, and maybe they will be in the future. When Eli comes back, and we'll talk about this in a sec, if Eli does get back in a pair of boat, uh, bike boots on whatever level, I bet you he's going to have a variant Uh, on that leg and potentially both legs to protect his Achilles in the future because he's now going to be at risk of re-tearing that in the future in that same sort of position with that same sort of load. He doesn't, he won't, all of those things, the load that we mentioned before, that three and a half thousand newtons, for him now is going to be lower. It'll be more like 3,000 newtons that it it requires to tear that because no matter what he does recovery-wise, that is going to be a weak point for him. It's an existing issue. So he will potentially have some more limitations and some stiffness added to that boot to prevent him from getting into that deep forced dorsiflexion position uh, and protect him from injury in the future. He might do something like even put in a heel raise so that he's actually kicked up and his heel's not flat in the boot. It's actually elevated because that gives you a little bit of cushion room in that Achilles tendon uh, for flexion movements, uh, dorsiflexion movements. So there's some things that he might do differently with his boots, but... You'll have to wait and see. So do we see Eli Tomac back? What are the thoughts from myself as a physio and the recovery time and what he could do after this? If you look at other cases, now obviously in moto it's a little bit different. We don't have the same, as I mentioned before, the same jumping, cutting, running movements that are required, but you still need to be able to produce a lot of force to say on the balls of the feet during a whoop section. This is a six to nine month recovery for this injury. No matter what sport you're doing, six is the early point. Nine is the recommended, um, depending on how you progress. And that's across everyone. Athletic population usually leads to the shorter end because they have the ability to do a lot more rehab and fund a lot more rehab, either him himself with his own 
you know, medical insurances or from being a professional athlete or in like a team sport, the teams have all these doctors on hand as part of the salary package that they provide these players with for signing with their team. So that's why they usually end up on the faster end because they're doing, you know, three to four or five hours of rehab a day, whereas most of us out there are having one or two hours over you know, two or three different days in a week and then doing maybe a couple of exercises yourself for, you know, 20 minutes at home. So that's where the speed in recovery can change. But for an athlete, it's about that six-month mark. That's if everything goes perfectly well from the surgery point of view and those early stages of rehab and make sure it doesn't tear, there's no infection, there's no excessive swelling. Uh, lots of different aspects can go into how quickly the recovery ends up at the other end because if you get the delay in the beginning stages, that is amplified at the end. So will we see him back on track? I would expect that he won't be on track for AMA Supercross because that right now we are in May. If we go six months down the track, we are basically November, December. That's not much time to be ready for AMA Supercross and the fact that he'd be coming back from a scratch, you know, scratchy point, he potentially won't make that. He could. He might. He could, show, he could shut all of us up and prove us all wrong. But I would think that that's not the case. One, from the point of view that he's, he was already contemplating retirement and two, that the injury is going to take a, that decent amount of time and he's not going to want to come back and half-arse that if he, if he is in that situation. What I consider to, to be the best scenario for him being back on track is him in a, at a World Supercross point of view that starts in like a June, July next year, if that's still running and all still going as expected or you know they might change the formats and series points and dates and everything. But if it was this year where the series for the World Supercross starts on the 3rd of July, that's what I would expect him to be ready to be by because that's then just over that 12-month mark and he would then have plenty of time to be as close to 100% as possible, not coming in at sort of 80% and trying to build through the season. He'd be able to be 100% and build from 100% up further from, from there in terms of fitness and strength. So that's what I believe will happen, and that is all with a proviso of if he comes back at all. There is still that chance that he may never return. Unfortunately, not every champion gets the fairy tale ending it's just not how it goes unfortunately there it's just yeah it's just sometimes shit happens really all right that's our eli tomac talk we're going to move on to the next parts of the next riders in the emergency department but there's plenty to digest there if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me drop a comment in the uh, youtube show below send me a message a dm on uh, instagram it's always.moto you or just search always moto in that in that search box there on Instagram or Twitter and you'll find me. Send me a DM. Ask me a question about it. Happy to in, happy to engage with you guys and girls, and fill in the blanks for you if you have those burning questions you don't understand. So, get in touch with us. We'll we'll help you out. All right. Next on the list, Colt Nichols. Not really sure what happened to Colt. Uh, there was talk that obviously he pulled out of the race, and there was talk that he was a bit beat up and needed some scans. He's done all that and apparently is racing this week. So we don't really know if there was anything wrong. We don't really know if there was something wrong, what it was wrong. And I'm wondering if this is then another one of those non-reported concussion sort of situations where they didn't want to end up on a protocol and potentially miss a week. So he just sort of disappeared up the tunnel, didn't tell anybody what was going on and went and got checked out during the week on his own accord. Don't know, could be completely wrong there, but it just seems 
too weird that there's been not sort of any information about this other than the fact that he'll be back. So that's the Colt Nichols update. This will potentially be his last race with HRC. We'll have to see what he does. I uh, believe there might be a World Supercross thing or something like that. But, uh, yeah, see what, he's, see what he's doing here shortly. But he's got one more race this weekend and he'll be at Salt Lake. Aaron Plessinger, that Red Bull KTM rider who has been out of action for the last couple of weeks, tried again, didn't didn't race Denver. Um, maybe this weekend, we don't know. I would suggest that the best course of um, action here for Aaron Plessinger is to just sit out and rest. He's got two more weeks until the start of outdoors, and he would be much better placed if he just gave that rest and the body the, the body the chance to recover and be 100% coming into that because he has a chance of getting some regular podiums in this outdoor series at the beginning of the series at least because of all the guys already on the emergency department list that we won't talk about necessarily, but there's so many factory guys out. It's ridiculous. And so guys like Aaron Plessinger, Adam Cincerullo, um, Chase Sexton, Jet Lawrence, they're almost guaranteed, Dylan Ferrandez, they're almost guaranteed a podium in these you know, first four or so races before we get any of those guys starting to work their way back into the series. So I would be making sure that I was fully fit and healthy before I went to that because there's money to be made if I'm Aaron Plessinger in the outdoor series this year. All right, Grant Harlan, a little update on Grant. He dislocated his shoulder at Nashville in that main event. We spoke to him during the week. He said he was going to give Denver a try, see how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, he'd pull out. But it went really well. He got ninth in the main event. We spoke to him again this week. He's indicated that he was a bit sore in the shoulder, but nothing major. And he had no weaknesses. So he was good to go. And, he's, and he proved it with a ninth in the main event. He's a little sore the day or so afterwards, but he's going again this week at Salt Lake. So... Nice work to Grant Harlan. Um, managed to get that rehab that he needed to get done, control the swelling, you know, make sure it's all still working and put in one of uh, – it's got to be close to his career best in the 450 or 9th. I don't think he's got that far down before. So well done, Grant. All right, and the other interesting thing that came out of uh, Denver was some altitude talk as per usual. You expect that at Denver and at Salt Lake this week. You'll hear more about altitude in these two rounds than any, any other time. And again, when we get to Thunder Valley, it'll come up again a thousand times. Levi Kitchen reportedly had some cramping issues in practice and it was due, it was put down to the altitude. Now, how does that work? Cramping isn't usually something that they associate that with. It might be cramping of the lungs, but he had leg cramping was the report. It's all just to do with that oxygen content in the blood. If there's not enough oxygen content, when you're trying to tr- um, trying to get those nutrients and oxygen to the muscles to make them function, if there's not enough there, they'll work harder to try and bring it in there. And if they still can't get it, well, they're going to run out of the ne- necessary materials to do the action of contract and relax, and they're going to cramp at some point. So it makes sense. So we had to go back and get some get some stuff sorted out. He managed to obviously work that out for that second in the main event. But maybe that's why he wasn't able to push all the way to the end once RJ sort of gave him the business in a couple of those corners there. So, yeah, he didn't actually put up a fight once RJ had got past that second time round. Uh, he dropped back a little bit from him. Maybe that was something to do with that altitude issue for, for Levi in that scenario. We will probably never know. All right. So, out from Denver, obviously Eli Tomac is out. Won't be back. Making returns this week in Salt Lake, we don't think anybody. Aaron Plessinger is the only maybe, but you won't know until we see him. And like I said, the smart move is for him to sit out into outdoors. 
Um, oh, actually, one other injury we've missed here. We had him on the show earlier in the year uh, when he had a crash at Anaheim 1. He made his return in uh, Denver, and it's Lewis Macias. He actually had an ankle injury in practice. He managed to ride through it into the night program, but he's uh, carrying that into Salt Lake. So he's not out as such, but he's, ha- he's got himself another injury there, which is unfortunate. All right, some injury updates from that recovery path that we've been trying to follow a little bit here on the emergency department show now as well, just to keep track of some of these guys a bit better for you fans out there. Kyle Greeson, who we interviewed earlier in the season, who had that uh, L3 burst fracture back about 23 weeks ago, which I think puts us back to like November, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, he has actually been seen back on a bike this last week, which is awesome news for Kyle. Now, I don't think that's meaning he's coming back to the races anytime soon. He's obviously got a lot of things to work through just yet but after being off the bike for that long. But it's awesome to see that these guys start getting some normal activities back into their lives. I know for myself with my own injuries that I've had been dealing with in the last 10 to 12, 11 months now, um, it's nice just to do a couple of things that make you feel normal. So for Kyle, I'm sure that was a you know nice smile on the face under the helmet there as he rolled out onto the track the first time and just to get that feeling back is a, is a nice thing to go through. So yeah, good to see Kyle back on the bike. The other one that's an update that's relevant this week, we saw an update from Nate Thrasher, that Monster Energy star racing Yamaha rider. It said that he's finally had the surgery. Now, we reported on that a few weeks ago. We had some information from his team manager that he was getting the surgery about two weeks ago for his ACL. But I dare say that's been delayed because of some issues with his hip or at least recovery from his hip issues that he went from that dislocation because he had those bone fragments. He would have had to have surgery to fix all that. He would have either had some pain, swelling or function issues that then led to them to say, we need to wait on this ACL surgery. So all that means is it's bumped him back about two weeks in the recovery stage. It's not the end of the world, but it's making things look a lot tighter for his prep for season 2024. And we're talking that because he's now that this has been delayed, there's no way he's getting to super motocross um, in September to be ready from the hip surgery, the collarbone and the ACL. It's just not, it's not looking very likely at all. So he's going to be pushing, pushing it uphill, as they say, um, to be ready for Supercross in 2024. But he's going to definitely probably be the one that they put to the East Coast round, being the second coast that starts, just to give him that tiny bit of longer window to get through and be recovered in time. All right, that's the emergency department this week heading into Salt Lake City for the final round of Monster Energy Supercross. We'll start doing so after this week's um, race. The next episode of the emergency department will be our updates on our stats for the 2023 season for Supercross and we'll make some comparisons to previous years. And that'll be very interesting to hear what the end, end number is for the total injuries in the season, but also then what that average is out to be per round, uh, which is, like I said at the start, it's pretty high. It's about eight at the moment. Hopefully it's a quiet week this week in terms of injuries and we can keep it eight to seven to eight sort of thing and get that average down a little bit because it's super high at the moment. All right, let's, uh, let's move over. We're going to do a Dave's Diatribe now. This is Dave's Diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. Could be next. That's right. We, we go after anyone and anything at times. Now, 
I missed out on seeing this race at Denver live on the weekend. I was actually out with my family at a, at a race. We're out of signal, so I wasn't able to keep up with much of it at all. Um, but we camped in a tent. It was awesome time for the family. My kids haven't really done that in a long time, and they don't really remember it. They're only young the last time we did it. So they had a ball of a time, which was awesome. The only issue I've got with it, who the hell starts a generator up at 4 a.m.? I'm in a tent, dude. I can hear everything. I don't need a generator running. I was awake from 4 till the alarm went off at 6.30 when I had to get up and start prepping everybody's bikes. I wasn't riding, um, which it would have sucked if I didn't get that sleep if I was riding. But come on, dude. 4 a.m., give it a rest. At least wait until the sun's up. All right, and the other one, we've got, we got two parts here in Dave's Diatribe. It's the other media outlets and their injury updates. They're trying to talk about injuries, which is great. Identify that the injuries happen. Don't try to tell me about the injury. You guys sound so ridiculous when you talk about it. You don't know what you're mentioning. You don't know what you're referring to. And half the time, you're talking about the wrong area. It's, it's not good. Give it a rest. Stay in your lane. I don't try to talk about silly season rumors. I let you guys do that. I bring it up once you guys have already talked about it but I don't try and report on it. That's not my lane. Stay out of my lane. If you need help, give us a call. I can come on your show too. It's easy. I'm available. I'm, I'm, I'll work anywhere, anytime. Uh, just, just, give us, just give us a yell. I'll give you a hand. Just don't butcher it for me, all right? Make sure, you, make sure you're directing all your moto buddies out there to come and listen to the Always Moto stuff when it's talking about injuries because you'll get a much better insight into what's happening than you'll find on those other outlets. Maybe one day I'll be on one of those other outlets on a, on a bit of a more permanent gig. But for now, I've got my own stage. I'm going to use it to my advantage. All right, let's uh, take a quick break here on the show. Uh, that's the end of the emergency department video on YouTube. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. Uh, but let's take a break on the full podcast episode and we'll be back in just a sec with a weekly inspection highlight. Hey, guys. This is Grant Harlan and this is the Always Moto Podcast. All right, time for our inspection highlight on this episode of the Always Moto Podcast, which is episode 60. This week's product is from Soulstream. Now, Soulstream is an Australian company that's family-owned, and it's a hydration pack that they have that has been modernized. Its push-button wireless water delivery means you don't have to take your hands off the handlebars to get a drink. So that means no more sketchy one-handed moments whilst you reach for that hose to find it, and then obviously to find it, to put it under you, into your mouth under your helmet which is awesome news. With SoulStream, simply open your mouth, push the button on your handlebars, and your thirst is quenched. The kit comes with everything you need to get set up. Now, there is a bit of setup involved because you've obviously have to set up this pump system in the hydration pack and the button on the handlebars. And you do need to pay attention to the instructions to get the little things like the hose length and placement right to ensure you can move your head normally and not kink the hose and not have it pull off your helmet, etc. So you do need to be pay attention to the setup of this product. It's available in two and three liter hydration pack options, which is awesome for those longer rides. The backpack is super adjustable to fit any body type and size. Plenty of storage compartments as well, and it's a very well padded back area that contacts your back of that pack as well, which is very nice to wear. Head over to soulstream.com.au to find the option that suits yourself best for your riding needs. Uh, and check out more of that product inspection article over on fullnoise.com.au. This is Derek Kelly, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. 
All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for listening to the Always Moto Podcast, episode 60. Let's wrap this thing up. Don't forget to send in those T-shirt orders to info at alwaysmoto.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Now, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed so you don't miss out a single episode at all. And if your podcast app allows, as soon as this is over, leave us a rating. Please also find us on our YouTube channel, Always Moto. Uh, Follow, like, subscribe, whatever it is you do over there on YouTube. Make sure you're following it so that we can get those ratings up and we can continue to bring you some awesome video content over there as well. Don't forget to check out all of our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au and soon to be alwaysmoto.com. But that's it for another show, guys and girls. Thanks to Slamboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors. It's been an awesome season from those guys. Coastal Motorcycle Center, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, and Bolt Everywhere. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor. Thanks to you guys, out, guys and girls out there for listening. And remember, you need to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.